This is the Voice of America coming to you from Chicago, Illinois. Who will win, capitalists or socialists? Are there any other alternatives? This is what we'll deal with in the American Enterprise Manifesto, a book written by Jerry L. Rhodes. The book delves into the possibilities of a third party. Based upon what we've received from the socialists and the capitalists with respect to the evolution of American society and American politics is embodied in the current financial financial situation that we're facing in America. The facts about where we are and where we're going as far as the financial uh, uh, statements for our country, up till now they have been presented to us in a cooked books format. The reality is, is that the current $22 trillion debt Uh, and deficit are understated by $100 trillion because the obligations for pensions, uh, government pensions, Medicare, Medicaid, and certain other uh, entitlement programs are not on the books. They are only recorded as paid. So we don't have uh, a set of financial statements or information that are on the generally accepted accounting basis. It's because we're um, only reporting on an institutional basis, which is limited to a budgetary system of cash disbursements and cash receipts. We're running the government like it was a corner drugstore. Um, so in the book, The American Enterprise Manifesto, I, as a CPA, will map out where we are and where this is taking us financially and politically. Good morning. This is uh, Jerry Rhodes coming to you live from Chicago, Illinois. Uh, I wanted to make some comments regarding this particular episode pertaining to the debt clock. Uh, I'm amazed at the number of people I talk to that have never heard of the debt clock. Uh, It's uh, an electronic algorithm that's been developed by the American Chamber of Commerce to uh, communicate to the public the financial condition of the country. Uh, It's been questioned on how accurate it is or whether it's a scare tactic. You would have to make your own choice. But I do recommend that you go into www.usdebtclock.org and uh, browse through the ever-changing 
numbers. I, I first became aware of the debt clock some 20, 25 years ago when I was in New York City uh, with my consulting practice and became, uh, I guess, uh, not just interested, but concerned about what it was telling me. And uh, being a CPA and a financial consultant in the healthcare business, uh, I thought it was relevant to what I was uh, saying to my clients and what I was saying to our, our healthcare clients was we have to be more effective managers of our resources. And each nursing home that we were consulting with, there seemed to be a focus on money more than the care, uh, even though the care is driving the money. But as I was, was able to put in perspective their condition versus the country's condition, it all added up to me that we, we have a serious problem. The problem, of course, is that America isn't healthy. Americans aren't healthy. Uh, we have 100, at this point in time, we have 117 million people with supposed chronic disease codes. And uh, those disease codes are used by the providers to, to bill and get paid on. They're not billed and, and, and paid on episodes of care and outcomes just on the input code of what supposedly is wrong with them. And those are based upon symptoms. But back to the debt clock, uh, the main thrust of it is the amount of debt that is accumulating over or by, by second by second, really. Uh, where does that come from? It comes from borrowing, typically using treasury notes or treasury bills uh, that are issued by the Federal Reserve Bank and doled out to their member banks to, to sell. And from time to time, the interest rates change, but they're typically 30-year instruments and have a fixed interest rate. But uh, occasionally, when the Fed changes its discount rates to the member banks or their, their um, credit rating starts to deteriorate, the interest rates are manipulated. And at any point in time, any increase in the discount rate will affect the prime rate and the worldwide LIBOR rates for uh, member banks. So uh, the debt clock is, is an indicator of the financial condition of the country. It also has a debt clock for each state. It has a debt clock for each country in the in the world, and it has an overall consolidation of the condition in America, adding in what's going on in the 50 states. And so the top line would show at any second of time the amount of debt that the federal government has booked. That isn't the amount of debt that has been incurred. Booked meaning on a budgetary process, 
how much money have we are we overextended in terms of covering our deficits and our obligations and then if you scroll down to towards the bottom it will indicate the the unrecorded obligations at this point in time as the seconds tick off it's approaching 28 trillion as though the the debt that we have acknowledged or recorded and at the bottom line it shows 159 trillion in obligations that have not been recorded so what does all this really mean well, the country has borrowed more than the than the gross domestic product for the year. At this point, the GDP is approximately twenty trillion dollars, and the debt is twenty-seven trillion dollars. Uh, so, effectively, we've, we've we've incurred debt in excess of our ability to pay on the basis of. Uh, our in income or revenue for that particular period of time. In um, the business terms, and the and America is is a giant enterprise. I look at it as being a giant business that is operating on in terms of revenue coming in and and expenses being incurred and. Uh, the balance either being a plus or minus, either a profit or a loss. And at this point in time, in our current pandemic era, we're uh, losing $6 trillion a year. Uh, and if we don't have enough cash flow, then we are borrowing $27 trillion. Uh, if you take that in terms of a regular business, uh, we're insolvent. But in a regular business, we're forced to record things on a generally accepted accounting principles basis. What does that mean? Well, it means you record your revenue as you earn it, and you record your liabilities as they're incurred. So what, what difference would that make? Well, you know, in the government, they accelerate the collection of taxes uh, based on estimates required and use that money now, not when uh, the taxes do. So we're accelerating revenues. And then on the ex expense side, usually you would record your liabilities that you have incurred, accounts payable, or certain amount of unsecured debt as, as, you, as it's incurred. Uh, we're not doing that. We're only recording those budget items that we're paying for a particular period of time. And so what happens here is we're always losing ground. We're always losing money. But most of it is hidden because we're not recording our unrecorded obligations. For instance, Medicare, what have we obligated for that for this year and uh, coming years? Uh, Medicaid, uh, obligations for federal, state, and local government employee pensions, which at this point have accumulated unrecorded obligation of $800 billion. 
The problem with that, of course, is that the essential government workers now totaling 22 million tend to live longer once their retirement has been pretty much guaranteed. And the service industry, uh, service union industry, uh, under the radar, uh, was able to get every uh, government employee through a passing of laws at every level uh, funded by the taxpayers. So the pensions that are now um, not recorded, uh, because now we only record them when we pay them, extend out over 20, 30 years. Uh, in in uh, the uh, real world of business, the accounting principles require that those be accrued as coming due, and that's not being done. We're only doing an, a, a budgetary uh, report of the, the money that we brought in, including that accelerated tax payments, and those uh, payments that we've made during a budgetary year, and they call that balancing the budget. Well, it's under the accrual or generally accepted accounting principles, it's never shown that way. That's called institutional accounting, not business accounting. So what, what does this mean to the typical American? Well, the unrecorded obligations have obligated each American almost a half a million dollars for future uh, payment. Uh, it's not being factored into the tax system. We only have 3.2 trillion annually from income taxes. The biggest taxes are the property taxes that we all pay and the sales taxes that we all pay. So one third, approximately one third comes from income taxes, a third from property taxes, and a third from sales taxes. And guess who pays most of the property and sales taxes? It is 90% of the of Americans or 95% pay more than the so-called 1% that, so, that we're told pay all the taxes. They don't. They pay a high degree of income taxes. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it's on the basis of, of sharing. And so the, the debt clock, as you scroll down through it and you start to understand it, means that uh, our a great American enterprise is not only insolvent, but could be bankrupt if China chooses to collect their $3 trillion in debt, which are probably treasury bills, uh, or the interest rates changed by the Fed and the interest goes up from 800 billion a year to a trillion a year. And it, become, it is right now our biggest obligation um, each, each and every um, annual report. And not only that, there's 800 billion in trade deficit between China and America that we are obligated to pay for some some way or somehow. So as you go down through this, it becomes evident that uh, our great American enterprise has been mismanaged. 
it's being managed by, uh, of course, the, the gang of 545, which is uh, the 100, senator, 100 senators, the 200, uh, the 435 uh, House members, nine Supreme Court justices, and one president, 545 uh, gang members are mismanaging our great American enterprise. It's not just an institution. It is a giant business. And as we can see from the debt clock, this business is failing. So rather than say this is an issue in our next election, I would propose that this is a problem that each and every one of us Americans, enterprising Americans that go to work every day and pay all the bills effectively, it's not the Gateses and the, and, and the jobs and the, uh, and the, um, the Waltons, they, they, they pay what their businesses don't pay. And so they don't pay uh, their fair share. And that's not to say that I'm asking that to be do, to uh, be redistrib redistributed, um, or have a redistribution of wealth, but we do need to acknowledge that we have a failing great American enterprise. And in my book, the the American Enterprise Manifesto, which this episode is founded upon, we must deal with this individually or we're not only pushing the, kicking the can down the, the road to our kids and their kids, we're going to come to a point where the government will not pay its bills. Uh, it's happened in Illinois for the last 20 years. They keep accumulating their deficit and keep not paying their bills. And there are other states that have been in the same state uh, or individual cities, Detroit, uh, New York, uh, Chicago is in 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 a deficit spending situation and always has been. So if this is not just my vision. This needs to be your vision. This needs to be your concern. It's not an issue, a political issue. It is a national and even an international problem. Because you can go into the debt clock and look at other countries, the ones that are solvent and the ones that aren't. Right now, China is very solvent. Why? Because of the imbalance of trade with America. Uh, Japan, in Mexico, those countries where we buy more than we sell in those countries are way better off than we are. So, yes, it's it's my concern and it should be your your concern i would recommend that you read the book and then kind of take a look like i i'm trying to take a look and see where the two-party system is failing us i have a episode on that a podcast on how they're failing us um and yes i do propose a third party the american enterprise party which then represents the enterprising Americans that pay all the bills, uh, not some of the bills, and pay most of the taxes, though we have been told otherwise. 
So until next time, take, take some time to go through this one, and I will keep coming at you with the facts. Goodbye. Money, ticks, and politics are bedfellows currently. The Congress of 535, Supreme Court and the President control the entire $118 trillion national net worth through lawmaking and political connections while setting on a $27 trillion national debt per the debt clock and unrecorded obligations of $159 trillion. While the top 1% have wealth of $60.8 trillion, a monopsony through laws and regulations protecting the big box, big media, big government buyers of products in a free enterprise marketplace, the opposite of monopolies, resulting in the same lower quality at higher prices. This dictates cost, prices paid the suppliers, through dominance of the mercantile and media markets. While the bottom 50% only have 1% of the wealth of $1.6 trillion. Some of the top 1% most wealthy are, Amazon World Services $1.6 trillion, Jeff Bezos net worth $200 billion, Microsoft net worth of $1.7 trillion, Bill Gates net worth of $66 billion, Berkshire $500.6 billion, Warren Buffet $50 billion, Facebook $732 billion, Mark Zuckerberg $103 billion, Twitter $40.8 billion, Jack Dorsey $11.2 billion, Zoom Video Technologies $12 billion, Eric Yuan $35 billion, Google Alphabet $1.24 trillion, Larry Page $78.1 billion, Tesla Motors net worth $770 billion, Elon Musk $185 billion, Exxon Oil net worth of $486 billion, CEO Darren Woods $24 million, Walmart $447 billion, Walton Family $86 billion, Apple Technology net worth of $2.2 trillion, Steve Jobs Estate $10.6 billion The Great American Enterprise Manifesto by Jerry Rhodes proposes a third political party, an American enterprise party that represents enterprising Americans and privatized agencies that drains the swamp and tames the alligators. With capitalism, money capital assets, and socialism human capital assets, working together as enterprising American workers to perpetuate the Great American Enterprise free market competition founded on policies that reduces laws, regulations, redundancy, debt waste and deficits by following generally accepted accounting principles. Then the three parties are able to vote on a bipartisan basis, so the great American enterprise is preserved. The red capitalists and blue socialists extremes will be, by swing voting, pulled towards the middle by the white stars and stripes representing enterprising American voters. Then, by having the red, white and blue flag represented and using generally accepted accounting principles to finance environment change, we can balance the books pay down secure debt and budget for surpluses. The cost of governance, including the health care of Americans, is currently lost to concealing reality by cooking the books. Not all of the obligations are recorded as incurred and revenues are recorded in advance of being earned, resulting in understating the cost of governance and overstating the amount of revenue collected for any period of time, due to accounting differences. The only reliable source of financial information, to answer the great economic questions, are embodied in the debt clock, www.usedebtclock.com, maintained by the U.S. Chamber of Commerce in New York City. It, in real time, calculates the expenditures, tax receipts, debt and deficits, properly using generally accepted accounting principles, GAAP, a modified accrual method. Instead of the annual deficit for 2019 being $3 trillion, it is $8 trillion, and the debt being $26 trillion, 
is $158 trillion after accruing unrecorded obligations that apply to the 2019 and 2020 taxation deficit. The COVID-19 pandemic will put America another $3 trillion in the hole. And putting the value of our currency and ability to pay our bills further in the red, presuming that the COVID-19 and therapies work going forward and our economy reverses itself, 2021 still will not get America above water due to the current accounting method used. This will be exacerbated by the change in the ruling party to Democrat with Republicans 50-50 plus with BP Harris the deciding vote on non-constitutional policies in the Senate, and our current governance will continue to be in gridlock, thus opening up the opportunity for an effective third party in 2024. Think about it, the $1.5 trillion college debt is more than the total credit card debt, since education is the route out of debt, Catch-22 has just caught up with the graduates who cannot find a job or make their payments, 2020 unemployment rate for ages 25 to 34 26.2%. To placate them the progressive politicians, propose to write off the debt and provide free college education while the conservative politicians demand they pay or file bankruptcy to earn an education. Establishment two-party politics is now the divided republic the framers feared. John Adams worried that a division of the republic into two great parties is to be dreaded as the great political evil. And that's exactly what has come to pass. The Great American Enterprise Manifesto by Jerry Rhodes proposes a third political party, an American Enterprise Party that represents enterprising Americans and privatized agencies that downsizes government and upsizes free market enterprise. With capitalism, money, and socialism, workers, working together to perpetuate the great American enterprise founded on policies that reduces laws, regulations, redundancy, debt, waste and deficits by following generally accepted accounting principles. Then, the three parties are able to better manage, under constitutional government, the finances and resources so our great American enterprise can be preserved. The red capitalists and blue socialists party extremes can be, by swing voting, pulled towards the middle by the white stars and stripe constitutionists. Then, by having the red, white and blue flag represented and using generally accepted accounting principles to finance environment change, we can balance the books, pay down secured debt and budget for surpluses. At the same time, pursue world peace and solve the problems surrounding violence and poverty in America and the world. The cost of governance, including the health care of Americans, is currently lost to concealing reality by cooking the books. Not all of the obligations are recorded as incurred and revenues are recorded in advance of being earned, resulting in understating the cost of governance and overstating the amount of revenue collected for any period of time, due to accounting differences. The only reliable source of financial information, to answer the great economic questions, are embodied in the debt clock, www, debt clock, maintained by the U.S. Chamber of Commerce in New York City. It, in real time, calculates the expenditures, tax receipts, debt and deficits, properly using generally accepted accounting principles, GAAP, a modified accrual method. Instead of the annual deficit for 2019 being 3 trillion, it is 8 trillion and the debt being $26 trillion, is $123 trillion after accruing unrecorded obligations that apply to the 2019 and 2020 taxation deficit. The COVID-19 pandemic will put America another $3 trillion in the hole, while putting the value of our currency and ability to pay our bills further in the red. Presuming, that the vaccines and therapies work, going forward, and our economy reverses itself in 2021, still will not get America above water due to the current accounting method used. This will be exacerbated by the change in the ruling party to Democrat with Republicans controlling the Senate, and our current governance will continue to be in gridlock. Thus, opening up the opportunity for an effective third party in 2024. Politics versus money ticks. 
With politics dominating our media, freedoms, relationships and congregating for holidays, shouldn't we have a say in the decisions-making process? Of course, this is the foundation of representative government by the people, for the people, of the people but in reality we have money ticks and the golden rule. Those with the gold rule. Our two-party system is failing us in this regard. So, do we just acquiesce or desist? My America's vision says we need a representative party that persists on behalf of the 200 million enterprising Americans that effectively pay most all the bills and 46 different taxes. My idea is a party that believes in and is patriotic to the five principles of governance that can prevail as the swing vote in our governing bodies, presidency and Supreme Court. Those five principles of the American Enterprise Party are, 1. Balance the budgeting process using GAAP, generally accepted accounting principles, by downsizing government and upsizing enterprise. Drain the swamp. 2. Privatize healthcare, environment and welfare funding using pay-for-performance outcomes justifying provider incomes and use conservation over deprivation for changing the environment. Shift the paradigm to self-health insurance funding trusts. 3. One vote with three alternatives pull the extremes to the one-voice consensus in resolving national and local problems. Leaving issues to money-driven politics. 4. A reinforcement of the rule of law rewards incentives to attain the peaceful coexistence and resolution of national and local problems. Security must be a priority. 5. The collective majority, with a patriotic voice, quiets the radical left and right minorities who are financed by anti-patriotism philosophy and counterculture policies.